I think it's okay to say, I don't get it. I don't understand. How come? Why? It doesn't, it doesn't stop me from loving God. It doesn't stop me from believing in God. But I think it, it provides some opportunities for some robust conversation. And it helps me, honestly, I think it helps me know God better. When I was a young woman, trying my hardest to follow Christ and wrestling with the call in my life, I was deeply impacted by the Bible teaching of a woman by the name of Marilyn Hickey. Imagine my delight when I was able to have a conversation with Marilyn's daughter, Sarah Bowling. Sarah Bowling is funny, she's persuasive, she's a deep thinker, and a woman of rich wisdom. I can't wait for you to meet Sarah and to be influenced by her love of the Word of God. Welcome to the Significant Women Podcast. I'm your host, Carol McLeod. Significant Women is a podcast for women to gather with their personal stories and the wisdom gleaned from the ordinary days of an uncommon life. Our goal is to simply encourage women that their story matters. It matters very, very much. Well, before we get started in my conversation with Sarah, let me tell you just a little bit about her. Sarah is on a mission in life to connect everyone with the heart of God while living a life of genuine love no matter where she is. Sarah has an unshakable conviction that unconditional love transforms everything, everyone, and every situation in life. Sarah is a powerful scholar, and she's a spirit-led teacher with a gift to articulate and connect God's life-giving revelation to our modern moment. Sarah also hosts a daily TV show with her mother, Marilyn Hickey. The name of the TV show is Today with Marilyn and Sarah. You're going to love today's conversation with my guest and new friend, Sarah Bowling. Oh, Sarah, it's so good to have you today on the Significant Women podcast. And you don't know this, Sarah, but I have long admired your life and thought, now, she is a significant woman in our generation. So I'm going to go digging for gold in your heart today, if that's okay. <laughs> Carol, you're nice. I think we might find uh, maybe a little bit of trash in there, but you know. Oh, you can well, have some fun know. with that too. <laughs> yeah, we can all relate to that. So Sarah, tell us who you are. What do you do? What does a, a day in the life of Sarah Bowling look like? Yep. So uh, I am, I'm from Denver, North, native Denver person, uh, born and raised. I'm a pastor's kid, Marilyn Wallace Hickey are my parents. So I grew up sleeping under pews, um, went to Lutheran schools from sixth grade through 12th grade. Um, which I loved, completely loved uh, that investment. Still treasure it to every, pretty much every day. Um, graduated from Or Roberts University, studied German, went on, got my master's in modern European history. Kind of weird. Uh, you're like, whoop, and got married. Um, have three kids. They're in their late teens, early 20s. Um, and my husband and I pastor the church that my dad founded. And I have an organization called Saving Moses, which is looking after babies and toddlers in developing countries, as well as Living Genuine Love, um, which is kind of the Bible teaching arm for me. Love to teach the Bible, um, love the Bible, and find it to be fascinating and challenging and question thought-provoking, makes me curious. I can sit in the Bible and, and uh, really ponder it for probably too long, actually. 
but I love it. That's called meditating, isn't it, Sarah? Meditating on the word. Isn't that what that uh -huh. is? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, we're, we're going to jump back to that in a minute. But first, I want to ask you this question, Sarah. So everybody's story is significant. We've all learned lessons in life that some of them we wish, did I really have to learn that? Some people might call it your testimony. I sort of like to lean into how your pain gave you some purpose in life. So talk to us, Sarah, about some of the hard times in life and what the Lord did for you and in you during those challenging days. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody, any one day could be like difficult or rough. I think um, in my early 20s, I really struggled, wrestled with my faith. Um, seems actually I look back on it now and I think well, that's pretty natural, you know, normal. It should be that way. Um, but went through a season where I was like, yeah, I don't do that. I don't believe in this Jesus stuff. Um, and that was a struggle. It was a struggle for me. It was clearly a struggle for my mom. Um, but she handled it pretty well. And, and, uh, I really wrestled with my faith and I, I think it was a good wrestle because it wasn't something that I wanted to just kind of do consequential, you know, like I grew up this way. So this is what I do. I wanted to own and make my own decisions for my faith. Um, not just, you know, kind of take it at face value. So I did a lot of uh, exploring. I looked into Hinduism a fair amount. Uh, I looked at Islam for a little bit, but I was like, yeah, the gender thing's a little bit, doesn't quite square for me. Um, then I read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis uh, and found that to be absolutely riveting. Um, so I really appreciated that um, and basically kind of said yes to Jesus. But with my own like terms and conditions and somebody might say, well, you know, you're not supposed to do it that way. Well, thankfully God lets us have our journeys that are unique and individual and it's not a cookie cutter, you know? And I think, I think the other thing I would say, and I, I really, I find this, I know that it runs counter to kind of conventional Christianity, but I think from time to time I still question things. I still have like, I don't understand that. You know, I don't understand God. Why, why did you put that in the Bible? <laughs> you know, or why, why, the, you know, and some of it's small stuff, you know, like I was reading, I was reading this morning about some of the exile stuff, you know, and where, and I was thinking, why did you put these names of these locations that nobody, you know, what, what, what's the point of that? I don't get it. Um, but then I think too, I wrestle sometimes with some of the stuff Paul says, uh, you know, and, and everybody's like, well, you know, women should be silent in the church, that whole thing. And I'm like, you know, we can talk through it both in terms of the language and the history and the culture and all that stuff. But I still ask God, I'm like, yeah, but dude, you put this in here. And for 2000 years, it's a little bit of a, of a, a tricky hotspot <laughs> for half of the people. Right. I mean, so I just, I think from time to time, I don't, I, I don't always think it's healthy always just to like get a platitude or, you know, ignore a question or, or kind of tamp down curious. I don't know. I just think it's good to learn and grow and wrestle. And I think sometimes we think we have everything solved and then we, we stop wrestling. But I think if you're really in this for relationship, relationship with Jesus, and I think from time to time, authentically, you have some wrestles and I don't think that's bad. I don't think it unravels God. I think humans get unraveled by it, but God, if God's unraveled by our questions, then we're in a really sad, sad state of affairs. Um, so I think it's, 
you know, and, and some people are like, well, you shouldn't, you should be more mature than that. I'm like, well, you know, well, I'm sorry. I'm so immature, but I still am wrestling. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think to say we have all the answers and all the solutions is arrogant. Nobody's in heaven yet. <laughs> right. stupid. Yeah. And so I think it's okay to say, I don't get it. I don't understand. How come? Why? That doesn't, it doesn't stop me from loving God. It doesn't stop me from believing in God. But I think it, it provides some opportunities for some robust conversation. And it helps me, honestly, I think it helps me know God better, which I think is the end game. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, the strong man in his strength, the, the whatever in his what, but let him who boasts boast that he knows me. That's from Jeremiah 9. I think that's a really powerful mantra, <laughs> uh, guideline, principle print for our lives is to know God. Yeah, you know, I think about what it says um, in Ephesians about that you would know the love of Christ, which is unknowable. Yep. Like, so Paul's calling us to know something that in our humanity, we can't really know. Mm -hmm. So I love what you're saying, Sarah, about don't be afraid of the wrestle. Um, so Sarah, because you've been through that and because you've thought it through so clearly, even as an adult, what would you say to the mother of a young adult raised in the faith who's now wrestling? What advice or wisdom would you give her? I think, I think ultimately love is kind of the end game. Uh, and my mom said to me when I went through my wrestle, she's like, you know, Sarah, we love you. We loved you when you were a baby and you didn't believe anything. And that hasn't changed. We love you, period. Um, she added, you know, you're going to come back and to your faith and it's going to be stronger than we ever started. And I was like, that's awesome. I'm just glad you're not cutting out my college tuition, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at this point I need to finish school. But I do think I really sincerely, if we genuinely love Jesus, if that's what we're doing, then John 13 says, people know you follow me by your love for one another. And if we, if we withhold or conditionalize our love for our kids based on their faith, then I think we miss the whole plot. Seriously, I mean, for God so loved the world, God didn't love us because we were healthy and right and believed appropriately. And we, God still, if God, God continues to love us, even when we don't do everything right, when we don't believe right. And so I just think as parents, and it's hard. I'm not saying it's not hard. I, I get it is hard. And our kids make choices that we wouldn't make. We're like, well, we didn't raise you that way. We didn't train. I get it. I get it. I'm not dismissing any of that. But at the end of the day, if our love is conditional, then it's not really love. Agreed. It's manipulation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, nobody wants to be manipulated. We all resent and hate that. We, we bring that and like, it's, it's revolting to us. So I think at the end of the day, love, love wins the day. And it is a, it is a work of God to develop faith in our hearts. And as parents, we do the best we can. We train up our children, you know, and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, when our kids become adults, when they choose faith and they, and, and who's to say what their journey looks like and who's to say that God is not working in their lives behind the scenes and doing stuff. So I just think, you know, and you're like, well, they need to believe the right way. Well, yeah, but I think how, how much is that God's responsibility, you know, and, 
And I think as parents too, then sometimes we get in the guilt manipul guilt thing. You know, I didn't do it right. I messed up. I should have done that. It was a wrong decision. I said this, you know. And so then as parents, we're like, oh, it's my fault. And I'm like, eh, maybe. But somewhere God has to participate in this whole journey. And I think it's true for our kids as well. So that's kind of my sense on it is, is love. Love's the end game. And if we can't, we have to let God love through us and appreciate that God is the ultimate parent, father and mother, and loves our kids um, infinitely more than we do and more perfectly than we ever could. So I think the end game is is love, genuine love. So good, Sarah. Um, I think about the scripture that says that while we were yet sinners, he came to us, he pursued us. So for, for Jesus, his love is not performance-based. And neither should it be for our children. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for saying that. So Sarah, talk to me a little bit about what it was like to be raised in the home of one of the leading Christian women in the world. You know, so many people were raised, maybe have a famous father, but your mom was really well known. How did that impact you as a young woman, as a child? Tell us about it. Um, I think it's a little tricky for me to answer that because <laughs> in reality, like if I were to ask about your mom, uh -huh. you would say, oh, my mom is great. But you know, you're like, well, I grew up, this was my normal, you know? Uh -huh. And so your mom, maybe she you know, what, did peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in a certain way, had special, you know, I think everybody has their normal growing up. And so I don't know that I could say mine was like abnormal compared, because that's all I knew, you know. Um, of course, she's an amazing person. She's an amazing Bible teacher, you know, travels around the world um, and has achieved tremendous things in her life. And I would never undertake, under undercut that. I think um, that's really, really um, significant and important. And so I recognize that um, around the world, she has tremendous um, reverence and respect. And of course, that's absolutely, without a doubt, completely true. Um, my childhood, you know, it was, I, I grew up along a Highline Canal that was in our backyard and jumped on a trampoline, rode my bike, you know, just kind of all that normal stuff, walked home from the bus stop, you know, did all this goofy things kids do. So loved playing basketball. And uh, so, um, yeah, I think it was just kind of status quo, mm -hmm. not not too unusual. I went to public school until like fifth grade, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Lutheran schools after that. So, yeah. She was just your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Sarah, I really want to hear your heart about, an initiative you started. You have, you do so many things. You're a Bible teacher. You're a pastor. Um, you travel around the world. But I want to talk to you about Saving Moses, an initiative, an organization that's you started and is so dear to your heart. Can you tell us about that organization? Yeah. Um, so we look after in developing countries. So countries that are extremely poor, we look after babies and toddlers. Um, depending on what is the most urgent need. So some countries we do malnutrition for severe, acute, malnourished babies and toddlers. Um, some countries we do th something called night care. So we look after babies and toddlers of sex workers while their moms work. 
Um, some countries we do something called birth aid. So we provide birth support and training in like high conflict areas, Middle East and, and uh, some areas that have had, you know, tremendous military conflict. So those are some things that, and I, I, if you think about it, Moses, he was, you know, three months old in the Nile River and, you know, crocodile food and Pharaoh's daughter picked him out of the Nile. Um, and he went on to do amazing things, wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, the tabernacle, the 10 plagues, I mean, you know, Red Sea, pick something. I mean, it's pretty much a rich, you know, menu of cool stuff, but all of that was basically hanging by a thread when he was three months old. And so, and, and you know, Jesus says it in Matthew, if you do this to the least of these, you do this for me. And so I think the babies and toddlers, I, I, I think it's just a very natural opportunity to express genuine love um, and keep it grounded in, you know, the heart of God, the heart of God who loves us, shaped us, fearfully, wonderfully made, and as babies and toddlers, letting that Father's love um, come through us in very meaningful <laughs> and life-preserving ways. So those are that's a few of the things we do with Saving Moses. So... Tell me some of the countries that you're involved in with Saving Moses. Yeah, we're in the Democratic Republic of Congo. We're in Angola. We're in India, Bangladesh, Cambodia, um, and a couple countries in the Middle East. Um, do a little project, some projects here and there, one-offs in different places. So, But those are some of the main countries where we're currently working and, of course, hoping to expand. Of course. So do you have national workers on the ground, boots on the ground in each yep. region that you're involved in. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Definitely. So Sarah, what birthed this in your heart? Um, what, what caused you to say, Hey, I love little people and I got to help save them. Um, that's interesting. Uh, you know, cause I've taught the Bible, mm -hmm. started teaching the Bible in my late twenties, um, been teaching the Bible for a long time. And a friend of mine said to me, hey, Sarah, I think there's more in you than than only teaching the Bible. And I was like, yeah, maybe. Um, and so this friend kind of kept blinking at me and said, hey, you know, why don't you look at this and threw out some different ideas to me. Um, and one of the ideas was, you know, something with babies and toddlers. I was like, no, that's stupid. I'm not interested in that. You know, that's lame. Somebody else can do that. But I didn't feel like God let that go in me. Um, and so I was, but I was exploring, you know, well, what, what, there's something here, but I don't know what that is. And so I was in Ethiopia and had, was participating in a big missions trip there, um, in a remote city. And, uh, I was at this orphanage. We were all staying at this orphanage and at the orphanage, there were two, um, they're twin newborn girls. And, um, I, my friend said to me, Hey, actually my neighbor, have you, have you seen those newborns? I said, no. And he's like, well, do you know what's going on? No. And he said, well, they were abandoned on a field. Um, and the police rang the orphanage and said, can you guys take care of them? And the orphanage said, no, we don't do that. And the police said, well, if you don't take these, these newborns, we have to put them back on the field because we have no place to put them. And the orphanage is like, well, it's against our policy, but okay, you know, better than, we'll figure it out. And so I went and held, their names were Sarah and Ruth, and I held them. And, you know, newborn twins, so they're tiny, tiny, tiny. And I was like, what kind of orphanage <laughs> tells a newborn no? I thought, that's ridiculous. And so I tried to be kind with the director of the orphanage, but I'm, I was like, I have a question, you know, since when do you not 
you know, and he's like, well, you have to appreciate that it takes a lot more resources for a baby than it does for a five-year-old. I could take care of 10 five-year-olds with the same amount of resources. I could only take care of like two babies. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. You know, and, and so and then I started looking at it. I was like, oh, that's a common a common experience throughout the whole world. So then that was kind of the beginning, the germination of it. Um, and then I just, I kind of kept poking at it and seeing where, what are the needs? And, and, uh, I went to Angola and a little girl, her name was Angelina. Um, she died, um, when I was there, she was about two. And that was a very pivotal experience for me. Very, very pivotal. Um, and I think it's, it's one thing to see a malnourished, severe, acute malnourished baby. It's a totally another experience to hold, hold that baby or to hear the death rattle of that baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, was still un- unnerves me somewhat, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so those, that was kind of the beginning. And then I, I just explored and I just asked God, okay. Um, I'll say yes, whatever that means, I'll say yes. So that's kind of the, the beginning of that. So how long ago was that, Sarah? How long have you had Saving Moses? Um, it's not quite 10 years. Mm. It's right around seven to 10. Uh-huh. And there was a couple of years that were kind of formative, if you will, mm-hmm. um, where I was just learning and exploring sure. and, and seeing this fits, this doesn't fit. I like this isn't, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes we don't give ourselves enough opportunity to kind of bump our toe, stub our toe, you know, and, and make a few stumbles and trip and fall a little bit. I wrote a book called hanging by a thread. Um, and that's the story of saving Moses and kind of that journey to pretty much current. So it was a really good thing. Um, and I, I, I wrote it with the hope that as people read it, they would um, say yes to their own adventures with God, whatever that looks like, and not thinking I have to have it all figured out before I start. <laughs> I think that's not really accurate or, you know, not feasible, truly. Because then we'd never start anything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So hanging by a thread, and I assume that people could get it yep. on Amazon. Yep. Amazon, yeah, any of that yeah. stuff. But totally. you have a website for Saving Moses? We do. Yep. And then we have also um, the Sarah Bowling saving, uh, uh, website, mm-hmm. sarahbowling.org. Um, and so in essence, what you see for me is I have like two arms. One arm is my babies and toddlers saving Moses arm. And my second arm um, is living genuine love. It's my Bible teaching arm. And because I'm both and people are like, well, you should pick one. I'm like, well, I don't think that's how God put me together. Um, I'm a little bit of a strange, odd bird, but I don't think that's all bad. And I think it, it's good for us to say yes to how God organized us. So I have Living Genuine Love, which is all about um, teaching the Bible. Um, and I love, I really love all of that. And the, most of the books that I've written relate to um, Bible teaching. So uh, the latest one I wrote was called, Hey God, Can We Talk? And it's Conversations with God. Um, so I love, that's a, absolutely a, probably my favorite book that I've written so far. Um, and it's conversations with God when life is in total meltdown, you know, how, what does that look like? And conversations with God when we were completely screwed up, like think about Adam and Eve, that's a Royal, Royal screw up. So what does that conversation look like? And who started that conversation? Actually, God started that conversation, not Adam and Eve. 
God is the one who initiates that, even when we completely mess up. So, you know, I have those two arms to me, if you will, no pun intended, but pretty accurate in terms of things that I do. So in your book, Hey God, Can We Talk?, do you have any of, do you pose any of your wrestling questions to God? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. So when life is in meltdown, one of the, one of that whole chapter is about basically like Job uh-huh. and Job had a whole bunch of questions for God and some of that wrestling. Hey, I don't get that. I don't understand. And then there, there's another chapter in there that talks about my personality. Sometimes we think our personality, um, disqualifies us, you know, like, like Martha and Mary, that's what that chapter is about. Martha is always, you know, busy, active, achieving, cleaning, cooking, doing, you know, all that stuff, hostessing. Mary is, you know, sitting at his feet, you know, meditating, listening, learning. And so some of us who are the Martha type, we're like, oh, I'm disqualified because I'm always busy and doing and achieving. And then some of us who are Mary are like, oh, I'm disqualified because I'm never achieving enough. (laughs) (laughs) And I think both, Jesus, we're both fearful. I mean, no one is better than the other. They're, they're both valuable, essential, and, and God, we have conversations with God, um, and he celebrates how he designed us. That's right. So I think we don't have to be somebody different. We just need to be our best self, and we can only do that in a conver- through a conversation, conversations with God. Right, right. You know, my whole life is about encouraging the women of my generation. I'm committed to teaching the Word of God, to being a purveyor of hope and joy. And one of the ways I do that is through the books that I write. And I have a new book coming out at the end of March titled, At Home in Your Heart. I love this book because it's a 60-day devotional that will take you straight to the heart of the Father. It will also help you clean up the corners of your heart. Perhaps you'll repair some things that are broken. Maybe you'll replace outdated notions or habits with the joy that only He can bring. This devotional at home in your heart, you can pre-order it on Amazon at my website, carolmccloudministries.com or on christianbookdistributors.com. I hope you'll buy a copy and another copy for all of the women in your life. And now let's get back to my amazing conversation with Sarah Bowling. So I love the Bible like you do, Sarah. I love to teach the Word. And when I teach the Word, I will often say, oh, this is my favorite scripture. And my friends have said, Carol, you need to stop saying that because you say it way too much. <laughs> so, But if I were going to ask Sarah Bowling, Sarah, tell me one of your favorite scriptures that just goes to the heart of you. What what would that verse or reference be? Yeah, it depends on the day. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. Maybe that's what we say, Carol, is but like today's verses <laughs> or this day. season's verses. <laughs> and I think the of late, the verse that has been really rolling around in my soul and my heart that I've been really pondering and, and chewing on, marinating, is... 1 John 4, 16, and it says, uh, we have, I love it too. I love it in the Greek because the verbs are perfect tense. And that means it happened in the past and the activity, whatever the result continues into the present. So John says, we have known and we have believed the love the father has for us because God is love. The one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And so 
I mean, everybody's like, yeah, Jesus loves you. You know, we check the box. Yeah, God loves you. But I don't necessarily think we know. We might have heard it, but I don't necessarily think we've let it germinate in our soul such that the results of that continue into the present. Have known and have believed. It's knowing and believing. And I think, what what does that mean? What does that look like? And do I know it? Do I believe it? I'm not sure that I always, if I do, then I, I think some of my behaviors, some of my mindsets, some of my urge choices would be different. Um, because I don't always think that I do things grounded. And that's the other one. I love it. It's in Ephesians, I think, 3.19, rooted and grounded in love. Mm-hmm. Right? And those mm-hmm. are also pre- uh, perfect tense verbs, which means I'm rooted and I'm like, so I just think that I've really been chewing around. And then I'd also add First John 3, 1, which says, see, see. see the love of the Father, right? I know, it's like, bing, 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 bing. <laughs> but I just think I've been really kind of chewing and settling in on God loving us. Um, and what what is what does that mean? What does that look like? And, and what the impact is. And so that we can't just kind of check the box, you know, that's is bigger than check the box. Um, and, and I'd say this too, Romans 5, 5, God pours the love of the Father into our hearts through Holy Spirit. So these, and I'm kind of thinking about these verbs, you know, that, because love, and some of these verbs are, are, you know, perfect tense. Some of them are present tense, ongoing. So these are some things I've just been chewing on. But if I had to pick one right now, it would be First John 4, 16. Well, I won't make you choose one. I'll, I'll let you have several. <laughs> but you know, Sarah, it's interesting to me. Every verse that you shared, and I don't know, there are four or five of them, have to do about love. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. That that your your spirit gravitates toward the rich writings of the Holy Spirit to do with love. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think I think that really resonates with who God is. I mean, First John, he talks about it multiple times. Four sixteen, it says God is love, and so that's like a big deal. If God is love, and Jesus says, people know you follow me by your love for each other. Right. I love because he first loved me. There are times I'm not loving. There are times when I am less than loving. (laughs) Sometimes even a little borderline hateful. So that means that I'm not letting God love me. Mm -hmm. I love because he first loves me. Mm -hmm. So then I have to back up the train. I can't, there's sometimes I don't love well. But the reason I don't love well, probably more than anything, is that I'm not letting God love me. I'm not being available for God to love me. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to earn it or whatever. Trying to, well, I don't know. I don't deserve it. I don't know. All these, I'm running away. I'm, you know, I'm unrighteous. I'm unholy. Whatever. But I just think ultimately it's the whole love gig is kind of a big deal for God because God is love. That's right. Yeah. And if we're in the family business, which we are, then we need to obey. We need yeah. to behave like the contract says we should. Um, Sarah, one of the questions I asked you before, just in a little written interview, what what was your biggest challenge in life? And you said that your insecurities have been your biggest challenge, which I think most women in the Western world can really relate to. So Sarah, how how have you overcome that challenge? Have you? Is it an ongoing wrestle? Um, but what would you say to a woman 
who's really allowed her insecurities to paralyze her. I'm sorry. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't, I don't know that I'd say I've overcome it. I, I still like, I'm like, Oh man, there it is again. You know? Um, and then sometimes I, my performance is to accommodate the insecurity. You know, I overperform or I under, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily have a whole lot of help answer solutions other than, um, letting God love me. I think I find the greatest help um, with abiding in, in God loving me and not because of of any other reason than who God is. God is love. And I when I'm insecure, it doesn't change God loving me. When I'm confident uh, or borderline arrogant, it doesn't change God loving me. Um, and I don't have to put on a disguise, a front, you know, kind of, accessorize or pretend I'm not, I can, and I think Holy Spirit leads us into truth. And, and I think there's good help and value in that. But I also think there's a great verse. It's either Romans 8, 27, 28, somewhere in there. It says, uh, Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And for me, insecurity is a weakness. Um, so I ask for help. I need a lot of help because it's an area that trips me up. There's still times when I just, I don't like it. And I find it's, it, it bothers me. You know, I think, man, I should be over this. I should, I should already check that box. We've, we've done this dance. Um, and it bugs me that I still find, I get those little tweaks still. Um, but I, maybe that's just the reminder, Sarah, lean into me. I'm here to help you. Mm -hmm. I'm your helper, Sarah. Holy spirit is my helper. Um, and, and I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to solve it, but Holy spirit knows and I can lean in and press in and say, okay, I'm out of my comfort zone here. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm flailing in the water. You know, I'm drowning in this help, you know? So I've found that very, very, very constructive. Um, I don't like it, but it still is what it is. And I don't know, I I'd like to say, here's the solution. And if I did, I probably have all kinds of money yeah. <laughs> or I don't know what, but is who cares on the money, but, um, just helping people. But I just, I don't necessarily, I can't say that I have solved it. You know, I'm over that hurdle. Um, I find still it, it tweaks is kind of like an Achilles heel, you know, and I don't like it, but, but I think with God helping me, I'm not quite as bad as I used to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah true of all of us. You know, we think that insecurity is a challenge that teenagers and young women face, but that's not really true. No. I mean, Sarah, I still compare myself to other women and here I am in my mid sixties. No. Um, you know, but the, what I have to lean into is in my weakness, he is strong. Yep. And so I admit that it's a weakness and I say, boy, do I need you, Jesus? Here's another day. Yep. And I still need you. Imagine yep. that. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's bad. I think actually that's very healthy and constructive. I do too. I do too. Mm-hmm. We know where our help comes from. It comes from the mm-hmm. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So Sarah, um, besides your mom, what other women have deeply impacted your life? Like heroines, role models, or just the girl next door? What women have you watched in wonder and thought, boy, that's an amazing woman? 
Um, this is going to be a little out of the box, okay. but I would say um, I've read some of the um, mystics like Madame Guyon. Yep. Experiencing the depths of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I think that was was very formative to me. Um, I also read, I really liked Teresa of Avila. Avila, however you say her name. Yeah. I think she is amazing. Uh, really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. um, I like Mother Teresa. I found, um, I think she, they, they compiled some of her journal and, um, they call, I think the name of it was called come be my light. Yeah. Um, and that was very powerful to me. Um, I read that through once or twice and took away some pretty interesting things. So I think those are, if I had to pick a couple of women and that's a little bit like, Hey, those are kind of unusual, but those are people that have influenced me that I've looked up to and said, wow, that's really cool and really powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sarah, uh, my husband and I have five children. And one of the things we used to do, I know, right? And I'm still smiling. <laughs> um, <laughs> at the dinner table was I would ask them questions. And one of their favorite questions I would always ask is, if you could have been at any biblical event what one would you have been at? And so, you know, the boys would always say, oh, when David killed Goliath or the walls of Jericho, and the little girls would say, oh, the manger. But if, if you had been sitting at my dinner table, Sarah, and I had said, Sarah, if you could be, have been at any biblical event, what one would you have wanted to be at and why? Hmm. That's a good question. It would definitely be something with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think he's pretty cool. I do too. Um, I, you know, I kind of, I think I might have liked John 11 with G, uh, Lazarus' resurrection, Martha and Mary, those two. Um, or maybe at Jesus' resurrection when he appears to Mary Magdalene and she's like, you know, thinks he's a gardener. Um I think both of those would have been pretty, really quite powerful. Or <laughs> Sermon <laughs> on the Mount, right? Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That would be kind of amazing too. But, you know, I'd want to, I don't know, I don't want to be in the masses. I want to be, ooh, the Last Supper. That's another great option, like John chapters 13. So I don't know, right? I feel like a kid in a candy store with that question. <laughs> I want to do it all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love your heart for the word. That's so great. Okay, so Sarah, our time has gone so fast. I've loved talking to you, but we always like to end with just a little bit of fun, okay? Yeah. So some people would call this the lightning round. I call it a few of my favorite things because I love the sound of music. And so I'm going to just shoot some things at you, okay? And as best you can, answer them back quickly, okay? So, yep. Sarah, other than the Bible, the best book you've ever read? Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl. Mm, now that's an interesting choice. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, Sarah, what is the current worship song that you hear the opening the few measures and the tears start to form and it just pierces your heart. Your favorite worship song right now. Lean back. Mm. I don't know. I forget who does it. It might be, I don't know, Bethel maybe. I don't know who yeah. does it, but lean back. I like that. I like that one too. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
I know you're going to give me an interesting answer on this one. What, what's your favorite movie? Are you brave enough to say favorite movie? Ah, uh, <laughs> maybe Gladiator. Good, good choice. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Sarah, you know that game, like two truths and a lie? Yeah. When, when I play that, one of the things I say is that I taught high school Latin for many years. Like, is that a truth or a lie? It's a truth. Hence, mm-hmm. I love The Gladiator. Love yeah. that movie. Yeah. yeah. It's a great movie. It is. It really is. Um, your favorite way to rejuvenate? Um, every day I write three pages handwritten and I write anything I want and it's not for anybody else. It's just for me. I love to do that. Wow. So like, do you throw it away? Do you keep it? Is it like, do you have piles of journals in your closet under your bed? No, three, three pages, eight and a half by 11. So I just use scrap paper. Somebody's already printed on one side. So I just turn it over on the empty side and write. And uh, I just compiled a bunch of them this morning and put them in recycle. Um, so, and my handwriting is horrible, completely illegible. So I don't worry about somebody reading it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not possible, but that's how I rejuvenate. I do that like pretty much every afternoon and I get to write on anything I want. So yesterday I wrote fiction. I wrote a little story and talked about, and I made it up and I loved it. I completely, I love, that's, that's my favorite way to rejuvenate. That's that's so interesting. I love Getting it. Kind of weird. <laughs> okay. An easy one. Your favorite dessert. It's not easy because oh, I'm not, not a sweets. Oh, okay. So favorite food. Let's go with favorite food then. Hmm. Well, probably, I'd probably say pho. Vietnamese soup, pho, yeah. pho however you want to say it. Uh-huh. I like that a lot. Um, it's easy. It's pretty healthy. And you can season it any way you want. So jalapenos or not, you know, I like it. Lots of basil, lots of lime. Delicious. Oh, wow. Sounds good. <laughs> favorite holiday? Uh, favorite holiday. Oh, March Madness. <laughs> Me too. What? It's a national holiday in our house. Everybody gets gifts, Sarah. Yeah. Like- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I love March Madness. That's the best time of the year. Okay. Way better than Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then you just have to be vulnerable now. Who do you cheer for? Well, West Virginia, of course. <laughs> <laughs> do you really? Bob Huggins, yeah. Okay. I mean, the dude is a genius. He he has these players, and, and he's competitive. I watched him last night. I'm like, how the heck did you do what you did? They lost, but it was still like an amazing game. And they led for maybe more than half of it. It was astounding. I'm like, uh, he's amazing. Love to meet him someday. That is great. <laughs> Sarah, I love you so much. I've never met a woman who loves March Madness as much as I do. And oh, I yeah. think I've met my match. Who's your Who's your team? Well, you're not going to like it. But do you see the color top I've got on? It's called Duke Blue. It's not called oh. Blue. It's called Duke Blue. Yeah. One of my best friends. In fact, I went to school... I played basketball with sisters whose brother played for Coach K. Really? Yes. Small world. I yeah. know. Duke's fantastic. Yeah. You, he's retiring. How do you feel I'm, about that? Oh, we're sad, but, you know, he deserves it. And what a legacy. A man yep. of honor and integrity and 
Yep. He's built this brotherhood at Duke. Don't get me started. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So we got to bring it back in. Sarah, do do you do a devotional along with your Bible reading? Do you have a favorite devotional that's really given richness and wealth to your daily devotions? Nope. No, you don't. Okay. Okay. So you just read the word of God. I do. And the Holy Spirit meets you there. I do. That's great. I know. That's not the right answer, but no. that's the honest answer. No. And I think it sets people free. I don't need to do a daily devotional if that's not me. I can just read the word and let the Holy yeah. Spirit speak. Yeah. I tried to look at one recently and I was like, ugh, no thanks. Yeah. 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 That's great. And how many books have you written? I think around seven, 10, somewhere in there, 12 maybe. That's awesome. I haven't really counted lately. Are you writing another one right now? Do you have something stewing, marinating in your heart? I am. I'm writing a fiction actually. About? Yeah, Conversations with Jesus. I know. So just people from the New Testament, are they people who are really referenced in the Bible or are you just creating some characters who might have talked to Jesus. A little bit of both. Okay. A little bit of both. I'm not going to give it away too much, but it's kind of an adventure for sure. For me, hopefully for a reader as well. I can't wait. And tell me (laughs) the name of it again. Um, I don't have a name yet. Okay. Because I'm still like, I think it's going to have around 10 or 11 chapters. And right Mm now I'm on, I'm writing chapter five or six, something like that. So, so you love to write. I do like writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. Do you I, like to write? I do. I do. I think about what Eric, Eric Liddell said, the Olympian back in the yeah. that I feel the pleasure of God when I run. I feel the pleasure of God when I write. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's totally cool. I always say some people sing, some people dance, some people draw. I communicate. That's, yep. and I'll do it any way I can to tell the story. Maybe I'll snowboard. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You're more adventurous than I am. <laughs> yeah, nah, it's maybe different. Yeah. Well, Sarah, before we go, would you pray for the listeners? Just pray a prayer of blessing and, and destiny yeah. upon them. Okay, thank yeah. you. Okay. Father, thank you for each listener. Thank you for Carol and the platform she has provided you've given to her. Um, I thank you for each person listening. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would encourage them. And more than anything, that you would pour the Father's love into each listener's heart, uh, that they would experience your love in very honest and true ways and help them to walk in the identity and design you put in them um, through your love and continuously growing and nurturing them and developing them. Thank you for each listener to hear you well and to absorb uh, your love and reflect that in the world around them uh, internally with you as well. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Didn't you just love her? Wasn't Sarah amazing? I'm telling you, I wish she lived next door to me. You can learn more about Sarah and her ministry at her website, which is sarahbowling.org. Thank you for joining me this week on the Significant Women podcast. I hope that you'll share this episode with some of your friends if it encouraged you in any way. And also, could I just invite you to leave a recommendation on any of the platforms that you're listening to? That helps us so much when our friends leave a review. 
I want to remind you, my friend, that you were created for significance. You were created to partner with your God, with your Creator at your moment in history and to exhibit His character and His strength. When God looks at your life, He sees a woman of remarkable significance.